Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome back to episode 20 of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. I'm Jordan Coe. Um, we're excited to, to be talking about a Ravens win and a big Ravens win at that. Um, and you can always join us in the conversation on that um, at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. We're both on the forum there. You can catch him on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Coe. Um, but Gabe, let's jump right into the game. I mean, pretty good start for Baltimore, huh? Yeah, I mean, you can't really complain about a week one trouncing of a divisional opponent. So it's about as good of a start as you can get. I think we both predicted Ravens wins. You were a little closer to the final outcome than I was. I thought it would be a closer game than it turned out to be. Um, but there there was definitely some moment, moments early in the game where I thought that it might actually be a competitive one. Um, but, I, you know, pretty quickly the Ravens kind of asserted themselves, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and really took control of the game. Yeah, I was a I was a Ricard fumble, an Odell Beckham drop, and a bunch of missed kicks by the Cleveland kicker <laughs> to be right in the ballpark. I mean, it, you know, I think you're right. There were a couple spots where the game felt tight. Um, Cleveland did their best to give away the game early on a fake punt call. Um, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later too. <clears throat> but also, you know, on top of that, you know, the missed kicks, the Odell Beckham drop on that third and two was huge. I think I think Cleveland probably scores at least a touchdown there. They had moved all the way down the field and the Ravens were probably a little gassed when they got there. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's worth spending a moment to talk about how Browns the Browns were in this game and, and, and how critical it is to be a smarter, well-disciplined, well-coached team. Um, and the Ravens just strike you as that and the Browns. And I don't know if it's their players or their system. You know, Stefanski said that they kept some of, I don't know if any of the coaches stuck around, but they kept some of the pieces in place in the system and they just look like the Browns again. And by the end of the, by the time they got into the fourth quarter, it really looked like they had given up on the game and it was obviously out of reach, but you know, for a team that's playing for their head coach for the first Mm -hmm. time, if I was a Browns fan, I would have been really disappointed at how they posted at the end of that game. Um, I don't know if you watched any of the Giants-Pittsburgh game tonight, but Daniel Jones got his butt beat all game long. And even though that was the game was really out of reach, at the end he drove his team down. He fought back hard. They tried to score a touchdown. They actually they gave it a good run. Uh, I, I think Cleveland, I'd say, did the opposite. Yeah, I definitely got the sense that by halftime they were pretty much a defeated team. Um, and you know that that could kind of happen to you when you let up two touchdowns in the last like what two and a half minutes of the game. That's pretty demoralizing, especially in the first half. Like we mentioned especially the first quarter where it was a pretty close game actually. Um, and and but like you said, the Browns just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Whether it was a drop pass by Beckham Jr., whether it was the incredibly stupid fake punt attempt that made zero sense at that point in the game, and you're basically just like giving the Ravens points. Um, I mean, there was just a lot of things that went wrong. They, I mean, they just kept making mistakes in in opportune times. And there was one possession where they had like a fourth and forty-one, which <laughs> which is something <laughs> you don't see that often. But you know, um, I guess that's the Browns for you. So yeah, I mean, they kind of couldn't get out of their own way. I do want to give some credit to the Ravens, though. They definitely kind of put their foot on the Browns' neck and just like just said, "We're just going to take this game away from us. You're going to give it to us, and we're not going to let you have it back." So they just like went into overdrive. Um, the offense just started clicking. Just all started with that 99 yard um, touchdown drive. I think that was a huge turning point. Just like kind of like stole the game basically. Then they got the ball right back and drove it down and scored again. And and this all happened, like I said, with like what a couple of minutes left in the game in the first half. Um, that was pretty much it. The Browns didn't have anything to offer after that. Yeah, and, and you know, looks like dire straits coming up here for the Browns. You know, Njoku goes on the IR. Obviously, with the way the IR rules, it doesn't mean quite the same this year as it does other years, but obviously that's not going to help them in the short term. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense look like you would expect it to tonight against the Giants. Um, and then Baker Mayfield just, you know, 
he was a guy, I think you were, were you, you were a fan of Baker when he came out, right? Did you, you thought he was going to do all right, but, and, and at the end of his first season, I think that there was no reason not to expect that he was going to, at least of the quarterbacks that were drafted that year to be the second guy, best guy um, at a minimum with Lamar kind of in the conversation, but you know, what, what's really going to happen with him. And then they just seem to go in meteoric opposite directions this year or last year. And then in yesterday's game, Mayfield just looked terrible. I mean, there were, a, I mean, he had a couple really good throws. Um, there was a throw to Njoku over Tavon Young. That was a really money throw. Um, there was one out to Odell Beckham when he had stepped out of bounds. That was a throw that was right on the money. But for every really good throw you saw from Mayfield, there was a terrible throw from him as well. And it's, and, and without pressure, you know, the Ravens front line did not do a great job of getting pressure. And we'll talk about that too. Um, but I don't know if Baker Mayfield's hearing ghosts or if it's his mechanics, but they really, you know, the Ravens are lucky that they've got kind of James Urban and the coaching staff that they've got in tow to, to keep Lamar in check and, and kind of in line. And, and maybe Mayfield needs something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make excuses for Mayfield. I think that, like you said, he had a few pretty nice plays where he had where he could show off his arm talent a little bit. He had a few like nice throws down the seam that long completion to Njoku. Um, there's definitely some things that you feel like you can work with with him, with him, but he also doesn't seem to want to trust. I think his his offensive system at times. I feel like he doesn't see the plays develop like he should. And I don't know if that's like a size thing. He's only six foot. Maybe he doesn't see the field well. Um, but he kind of holds on to the ball a lot more than you would like to see. And I also don't think that the offense is really doing him much um, favors in terms of the kind of pass plays that they had. A lot of them were like big downfield developing plays where he was asked to kind of hold on to the ball for, you know, three seconds or, you know, wait for these plays to develop. And the Ravens have a good, good secondary. I don't think that's the way you want to attack the Ravens. I think you want to get them with quick hitting um, kind of underneath stuff, let, the, let them get some run after the catch. Um, but that wasn't the game plan, apparently. Um, the, I yeah. think they were at their best when they were running the ball, when, when they were getting that those chunk yards on, on the early downs and then making it easier for their quarterback. But they got away from that pretty quickly after the Ravens went up. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's jump into it a little bit. And I think we want to, you know, I'm going to cover a little bit more of what I saw in game film on the defensive side with some feedback from you. And then we're going to flip the script to offense. But I think, you know, you 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 laid out kind of a couple things that I wanted to talk about. That first drive that we saw from Cleveland was actually rather effective until the interception. Um, they were getting the ball out quick. It was quick reads. It was kind of like deep deep looking routes that turned into curl routes that got broken off or, or short and quick throws that were easy reads for Mayfield. Um, and they got completely away from that after the first drive. I mean, I think that the Ravens essentially stayed in a relative base package early on with three down linemen, two outside linebackers and just straight rushed five guys. And in an effort to get the ball out of Mayfield's hands in response to that, I thought Cleveland did a pretty good job in, in all of that, you know, in addition to, to some of the stuff when they were running the ball, but you know, it wasn't even a lot of running, even on that first drive, there was the one big first run from Chubb, but then it was just getting the ball out of their hands pretty quickly. And the Ravens really didn't have a good response. Um, you know, I think if it wasn't for Dean Pease or Dean Pease, <laughs> Wink Martindale calling, you know, calling that fire blitz where they put six guys up on the line of scrimmage and only dropped, only rushed three of them and dropped the other three and Mayfield just, just overlooked it. But that was, that was one of those perfect examples where Mayfield just stared down his receiver and Humphrey and Campbell are just eyes locked in on Mayfield. Who's got his eyes locked in on the receiver. It was obvious. It was, it was so easy for Campbell to tip the ball because of that. And it was so easy for Humphrey to catch it. I just couldn't believe how terrible, like, like how Kyle Baller ish that play was um, for Mayfield. Yeah, that was. I think that was a nice, actually, bait by by Martin by Wink on that that play design because you could see that Campbell was just dropping into that passing lane, and they were basically inviting that receiver to come across on a quick slant, um, as the the cornerback was kind of like dropping off in coverage. But then Campbell filled that spot right underneath, and I thought he was going to catch it. Actually, if you go back and watch that play, he almost intercepted it himself, um, and you could see him like on the ground, like. He hit the ground like annoyed that he didn't catch the ball, um, but fortunately Humphrey was behind him to be able to get the actual interception. Um, and yeah, that that was a really good play design, I think, by by the Ravens' defense, and they were able to you know get that interception, and that was kind of a, a good way to turn the momentum there. Um, 
And like, it was a, it was yeah. very it was a really peculiar call from Stefanski up to that point because all the routes from their receivers up to that point had been essentially like stop and curls, and there weren't a lot of slants. So you know, I do think there was a little bit of baiting that was going on there by the Ravens, but you know. I don't know that you could have predicted that they were going to change the direction of what had been working. And and I, I never understand this. The Ravens do a fantastic job of this on offense last year, which is that when it's working and they're running the ball, they don't stop running the ball and they make you beat it. And and why the Browns would have gone to a different package or a different play set from what had been working for them right up to that point is beyond me. Um, but I love the play call. You want to see those fire fire zone blitzes. You want to see guys that you wouldn't expect dropping. You certainly don't expect Campbell to drop, and you certainly don't expect him to drop from essentially the nose tackle over position, which is where he came from. Um, so it was a, a fantastic play all around there because of that, and I loved it. Um, you know, from there, the Ravens continued to rush five from what I saw. Um, and it was, it was, you know, if it was either base or it was two down linemen in the middle and they're outside guys and you had, you had kind of the cornerback or you had a safety coming in on the blitzes. Um, and for the most part, that pretty much worked for them. There weren't a lot of, you know, it wasn't a lot of deception and it wasn't a lot of stunts. There wasn't a whole lot that they did, but they were, they were mostly able to keep the play in front of them because of it. Yeah, I, I think one of the, I was looking at some of the snap counts and a couple of things that stood out. Um, so I think Derek Wolf led all the defensive line in snaps. He was in there quite a bit. Um, he played mostly defensive tackle. He's mostly three technique. Um, he played a little bit of defensive end in kind of the base three four alignment um, that the Ravens were in a little bit of as well. Um, and then it was Campbell and um and and williams and then it was ward so jihad ward actually played a lot of snaps in that game and i thought he played pretty well um so he's kind of like this hybrid defensive end outside linebacker guy that the ravens use um in a few different ways but he he, he did a little bit of pressuring i think up, up front for the ravens and what i would think the ravens really need is is justin meta bk to get healthy because i think he's the presence that they need in interior to have that one more player that they can rotate um, that can be a pass rush threat. So they don't have to have Wolf out there for 50 plus snaps. Um, so that, you know, Campbell, Campbell kind of played all over the defensive line. He played some defensive end. He played some defensive tackle. Um, he was kind of split between those two positions, but ideally you would like to see him, you know, rushing, I think from the interior, especially on, on passing downs. And if you have him and Matt Bike in there, I think that gives you your best kind of interior pass rush. Maybe even with some outside linebackers like McVie, um, who, who showed some nice things as well. Um, and I think without having that extra pass rusher, they, they kind of had to, you know, try a few different things that weren't exactly the, the way that they wanted to go. Yeah, I agree with you. I certainly worry about the depth. Wolf's health has been an issue over the last few years, and he's getting on he's on the older side. So you always want to make sure you cut down those snaps. You certainly, if Matabuke can give you a pass rush presence, then that also means less snaps for McVie. So hopefully a healthier start from him. But I don't know that the Ravens are going to be in a lot of passing situations where they're going to have three down defensive linemen, even with Campbell out there on the field. And and so I don't know that Matabuke is going to take that many snaps away from Wolf in those situations. I think the guy that actually jumped out to me on tape that could be taking a few of those snaps away would be um, Broderick Washington. He was actually phenomenal against the run. There were a couple of different plays where he took his guy all the way to the backfield. He didn't let the guys cut him, take them to the ground and stay, stay upright. There were a couple of times where they tried to run through him and he essentially just didn't let them. Um, and he was actually a big presence in the second half when the Ravens, after the second quarter, the Ravens really cleaned up their run game. A run defense a little bit and and Washington actually played a pretty big part I had three plays where he actually stood out to me um in there and you know maybe maybe he could be that presence right like then you can take Wolf off those off the field the Ravens used three outside linebackers more than a handful of time um you know that that was part of the reason why Judon ended up dropping so much in coverage I think of I think of his 39 snaps he had 16 or 17 um coverage snaps which in the first half or in the first quarter, I thought the Ravens used effectively, um, but I think Washington could take up some of those snaps. Um, 
you know, I actually thought Brandon Williams didn't play very well when I watched the game on uh, watched the game live. But when I went back on film, Brandon Williams was a big part of why they also stopped the run in the second after the second quarter. He finally, I think, he finally realized his job to take two offensive linemen and just drive them somewhere into the backfield, and it, do, it doesn't need to be him making the play. That there are no other guys on the defensive line, and if he can pull two guys with him along the way, then it can end up making a big difference. Um, I also think some of that was communication. If you guys check me out on Twitter, I've got a picture up there of Campbell trying to run off the field and then run back on the field on that big 29 yard run from hunt. And so the Browns are completely set and he is outside of the slot receiver running back onto the field. He doesn't even get down into a three point stance when they snap the ball. And then the left tackle base or the right tackle basically just uses one arm to push Campbell, which is really rare out of the play. And that opened up that huge lane for hunt. I think I think that play likely doesn't happen um, if Campbell if there isn't some of that confusion up front as well. Yeah, and I think also we have to remember that the Browns really are a team that should be running the ball well. Like that's that's what they do best. They have a good running scheme. They have a good um, offensive line. You know, they brought over Jack Conklin, who's one of the better like, run blocking offensive tackles in the league. They just drafted a, a rookie left tackle and I think what 10th overall. So they have, they have a very good offensive line and it's not really surprised that they were able to run the ball with two of the best backs in the NFL. Like, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Um, and I mean, if, if, if they had been able to do that the entire game and, you know, kept it close because of that, then you're a little bit more concerned. But I think because the Ravens were able to, you know, stop the pass as well as they did, they, they only allowed the, the Browns to, up 4.1 yards per passing attempt which is which is a ridiculously low number that's that's fantastic you know past events um you know obviously their run defense wasn't quite that good but um most teams aren't going to be able to beat you just by running the ball and and obviously the browns included in that so i think you know their strength is still going to be in in the back end i think they're going to be able to limit teams they're not going to give up big plays um, and they're going to use the scheme that, you know, Link Martindale likes to bring pressure in, in, one, in, these, in, op- in opportune times to kind of get the stops that he needs to. And it leads to sacks and it leads to interceptions. And I think we're going to see that happen throughout the course of the season. Yeah, well, if you go back and watch the very first running play of the game, you know, the thing that jumped out to me is that the Ravens basically, they were in a high cover one. Um, so Elliott is, is 20 yards back on the field and everybody's just hat on hat. And, and Cleveland ends up running the ball to the weak side of that line. And so essentially you e- either need one defensive player to take up two offensive guys, or you need someone to shed and be able to make the play. That was an example where it didn't happen. And that's, that's the one that concerns me is that the Ravens, at least right now, if it's a run away from Campbell may not have a guy that's consistently going to be able to either soak up two of those players or win to get into that hole. Um, that being said, if Williams continues to evolve and remember what it's like to play nose tackle and, and be the guy that's taking the center out of every play and, and needs to, to get help in terms of running, at least initially, um, I think that can change a little bit. Um, Campbell a little bit. I actually, you know, I thought Chuck Clark had a good game in pass defense um, other than the dropped interception that he, he had in his bread basket. Um, but his run, his run defense wasn't so great. That, that big 22 yard game that got them down inside the five from Hunt. Clark got to the spot and then basically stops and is on his heels and, and Hunt just pulls him over. Um, so I think Clark just needs to get a little bit more aggressive in those situations. And I think, you know, I don't know. There was all this chatter about the preseason and, and what was going to happen related to the preseason. And I think there was, other than Deshaun Elliott, um, who was not tentative at all in run defense, I think there was a little bit of tentativeness um, from a lot of Ravens players, um, even on uh, particularly on run defense. And one of those guys to me was Patrick Queen. Um, you know. He made a lot of tackles. He was in for a lot of plays. I think I think you know the the highest non secondary player in terms of snaps for the Ravens. But um, as his draft stock was was tagged to be as such, he plays a little small at inside linebacker. Um, and you saw some plays where he got washed out or where he committed in one direction and essentially was able to just be pushed out of the play by an offensive lineman with kind of one good shove because because it seemed like he was either off balance or a second late or like kind of uncommitted to kind of getting into that contact. And so I'm really interested to see, you know, how queen evolves there as well. Yeah. I think um, queen is at his best when he's kind of attacking downhill and not necessarily kind of waiting for the play to develop because if an offensive lineman 
gets out on him, it, he's going to be having a hard time to kind of get off that block. I think um, he's at his best when he's able to like fill the lane when he when he can kind of like read his keys and react. Um, that's kind of where he does his best work, and I think that some of that's going to come with you know just some sna- some snaps. Um, he just needs to get some more reps. He needs to feel more comfortable in this defense. F- figure out what his role is. Um, I think the other linebackers played really well. I think um, LJ Fort stood out to me in this game. He was kind of all over the place. Um, he's good in coverage. He's good against the run. I thought he played really well against the run, actually. Um, I also thought Malik Harrison played well, and he actually played probably better against the pass than I was expecting. You saw him get some good depth on some drops in the zone coverages. Um, I was impressed by Harrison. I think the Ravens group of these three linebackers is going to be really good. Um, I think Ford is probably the odd man out as we go further into the season. I saw him, you know, make maybe one play on a screen that looked pretty nice, but overall I thought he didn't, he was kind of not that good. He kind of was caught um, out of place on that touchdown throw to Njoku. Um, and I think that he just doesn't quite have a sense for where he needs to be on the field and he doesn't have the upside of the other linebackers. And I don't see a reason for him to be playing out there very often. Yeah. You know, Malik Harrison really surprised me. I thought on, on tape in college, from what I watched, he looked a little bit more stiff. Um, didn't get kind of some of those depths in his drops and didn't look as flexible, but he obviously looked strong and obviously great at the point of attack. Um, he looked thinner and and a little quicker to me on film for the Ravens, you know, in this game. And you're right about that tip. Um, so I'm optimistic about this combination of linebackers too. I think the one thing that's going a little well, not untalked about. We haven't talked about it yet, but Patrick Queen's actually really good blitzer. Um, there were four or five plays that I spotted where he knifed through. And one of them was the one where Batonio just reaches out and just like <laughs> literally shoves him out of the way with his right arm. And again, that's that's one of those things where Queen, I think, just needs to get stronger. Um, but he shot the gap and he was clearly through. I think I think the assignments there were also uh, missed a little bit, but Queen also had on the very next play actually comes around on the outside, outside of Bowser, who's crashing down on the tackle and comes free on, on, on Mayfield. And that's the one where um, Beckham dropped the ball on the third and two. And I think that might've been because Queen rushed that throw. He obviously also had the sack. Um, Queen is the best interior blitzer that the Ravens have had since Mosley. Um, and I thought Mosley was just smarter about it than, than Queen's athletic about it. Um, and so if Queen has the smarts that, that we keep hearing that he does, and he can kind of bring that cerebral part to that game from that quickness. And it's, and like I said, kind of the intellect. So on the sack that he had, um, he actually looks like he's going to split into into the gap between the guard and the tackle. And I think he was between Wolf and Campbell. And he looks like he's going to split just slightly. And it kind of moves the center and the guard over. And then he he puts his foot in the ground, plants, and just charges right right by the center. Um, and Treader obviously, is coming off an injury. So he was a step behind. Um, but it was explosive. And the Ravens have not seen a guy kind of be able to do something like that, um, you know, in some time. So I was... I was really pleasantly surprised to see his ability to to kind of rush there. And I think we're going to see more of using him in some creative packages coming on the blitz. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things that I actually really liked watching his tape at LSU. Um, he seems to have an instinct when it comes to being a blitzer. And some of it is timing. Um, and some of it is kind of just um, his ability to kind of get skinny and get through that gap. Um, I, you know, we've both watched the Ravens for a long time. And I think we've both probably seen a lot of these blitzing linebackers kind of just like run into the, into the guy who's going to pick him up and not actually get through. <laughs> that seems to happen a lot of years. Um, but I think queen, you know, he has a sense of how to, how to actually get, get by and, and make it to the, um, to the quarterback. And part of that is athleticism. He, he's very athletic. And part of that, um, he, you know, he just has that instinct. I think the way he times it, the way he, like you said, he set up, um, the blitz to make it look like he might have been going in a different direction. And I think that's something we're going to be seeing more of as, you know, as Martindale realizes it's just a really good skill that he has. And um, I'm just excited to see how, how his game continues to develop. Yeah. You know, and I also want to talk about Matt Judon and Tyus Bowser, who I thought both had really good games. Um, you know, I, I would have, if it was me, I would have given McPhee all of Judon's rushing snaps um McPhee shouldn't really be dropping in coverage Judon I, I should just be on the field more I think he's 
he is better than the Ravens use him for, and and he's more useful than the Ravens use him for. Um, the roughing the passer penalty was terrible, and though it seems like classic Judon, he didn't actually have a roughing the passer penalty last year amongst 33 quarterback hits. So maybe he deserves a little bit of a pass. I think he has like some late hits every year that are just dumb. Um, but you know, that, that one was particularly late and it was more than two steps delayed in terms of when he hit Mayfield. But if you go back and watch that play, Judon's bend on that play is insane. Judon is essentially parallel to the ground when he beats the tackle who is like trying to push him all the way to the ground. And Judon just doesn't go down, um, beats him on the outside on the, on the play where Baker Mayfield actually slips through the pocket. Judon does like a nice little like loop play with Derek Wolf. And, and we, it, I wouldn't call it a stunt, but Wolf kind of pushes the guard all the way up into the tackle. And whether this was by design or not, Judon recognizes um, that that's going to happen. He comes underneath Wolf and essentially flushes Mayfield from the pocket. Um, and so, you know, obviously plays like that, they need to keep that in check next week. We're not talking about the Texans now, but Deshaun Watson's going to burn you a million times over on that. You're going to have to keep contain on him. But it was a really smart play from Judon. And for a guy that only got about 20 snaps in terms of his actual rush and actual rushing the quarterback, I thought he did a really good job in the ones that he got. Um, and then Tyus Bowser also should be getting more snaps. I mean, I, I just don't see how... And I'm fine. I, I thought Jihad Ward, like you mentioned earlier, played really well. Um, but I would I would be giving the snaps from from Ferguson, sorry, Gabe, and uh, and McPhee right now to Judon and Bowser. I thought the two of them played exceptionally well, and they give you the versatility. If the Ravens, I hear this a lot. I hear, yeah, but Wing Martindale uses deception to be really effective. I find that the usage of Jalen Ferguson and Pernell McPhee to be contrary to that. They're two guys that are not going to be good in space. They're not going to be good in coverage. And quite frankly, Judon is okay in space, but not great. Um, Bowser is great in space. He's great in coverage. He's great in both zone and man. Um, Judon is your best edge rusher. Let these guys, I, I mean, I, I'm all for letting these guys stay healthy, but these guys are in their primes. They're the better of the players. Um, let McPhee be in there for like, you know, straight up passing, you know, need an edge guy, let him do that thing or, you know, line him up in the a gap when you only have one down lineman or something like that. Ferguson played well enough to be honest, but I think that, you know, sometimes you just, it's kind of like justice Hill. Sometimes you can have talent and you just, there are just guys in front of you that, that, that are better. And uh, maybe you need to let them make an impact on the field. But I thought both Judon and Tyus Bowser played exceptionally well this week. Yeah, I, I agree, um, especially with Bowser. I thought he had an excellent game. He's, we saw some nice um, coverage from him as well as he got that, a nice sack. Um, he had a couple other pressures, I think. Uh, I think Bowser was probably, you know, the best outside linebacker the Ravens had. Judon played well, too. Um, he had a couple nice pressures. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to really fault the Ravens for kind of rotating these guys. Um, I think they all have their uses on the field. I think McPhee is probably best used on early downs, actually, at this point. You know, he can provide a pass rush, and it's, but I think he's actually a better run defender than a lot of the Ravens' um, outside linebackers. I think that's probably why you kind of have him and Ward and, and Ferguson at times um, in there because they're, they're better against the run than a guy like Bowser is. And, and maybe Bowser can, can improve in that dimension, but he's also on the smaller side. You know, he's probably giving 20 pounds to a guy like, like Ferguson, or, or maybe 30 pounds, a guy like Ward, very large um, outside linebacker types. Um, so there's definitely a role for, I think, everybody in this defense. I think it just depends on kind of the down distance, where you are in the game. Um, but I think definitely in terms of pure pass rush, Judon and Bowser are your best edge guys. Um, and, and I'd like to see them being used in that role um, probably more than they were last year and probably more than they were in this game in particular. Um, and Bowser in particular, I think, is good on third downs or any passing down, really, just because he also has that ability to drop in coverage, and that gives you some kind of different opportunities and where you can bring your, um, you know, blitz pressure from other positions. He can drop Bowser, and he can be quite effective in that role. So I definitely see um, him getting more snaps in the season than he has previously, and I think um, he's a player that the Ravens are probably going to want to consider locking up long term, and especially if. Someone like Matt Judon is a guy who's going to walk in free agency. Yeah, and he's a guy you can put on a Jared Johnson like contract, I'd think. You know, whatever whatever the market rate is for that right now, and should be able to kind of contribute 
for you kind of over multiple years, you know, I guess, you know, my, my quibble is that, you know, I, I want my best players on the field, you know, doing the things that they're best at and the situations that count. Um, it, it's fine for quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield that aren't great um, to be able to take advantage of things like that and to try and confuse and try and deceive them and try and make it really hard for them to understand and figure out what's going on. But in big games where you're talking about guys like, you know, Ben, or Mahomes or Watson, you know, they're just not going to be confused by these things. They're going to stand in the pocket. They're going to wait that extra half second to see what's going to happen. And I think that, I think we're kidding ourselves to think that that deception is going to be the thing that's going to take the Ravens over the top in a really big game. You know, we saw Tannehill even, you know, he, he did a great job of just kind of like standing in, waiting to see what was there last year and kind of doing that. Cause he's, he's been around long enough and, and he's taken enough hits that he doesn't, I guess he doesn't care anymore. Right. Um, and so if you can spook a guy, great. And it's great for running up the score against the Browns. Um, but you know, I want to see the Ravens kind of say, Hey, these are our best four guys, right? Here's Bowser, Wolf, Campbell, and and Judon. One of them might loop and stunt. We're going to drop another seven guys that are fantastic in coverage, back in coverage. Good luck throwing against us and good luck stopping these four guys from getting to the passer. Um, and, and I think the Ravens can be just as good doing that as they can be kind of doing Wink's thing, you know, and, and being a little crazy at times. You know, I, I just think there's a little, and, I, and you know, maybe he's, Wink was under Rex Ryan, I believe. So he's got a little of that chaos theory kind of approach. Um, but sometimes, I, you know, I, I just want to see, it's kind of like with Greg Roman. Greg Roman will absolutely say, these are our best guys. This is what we know how to do. We're going to line up with 10 blockers and Lamar Jackson, stop us from getting a yard. And so, you know, I guess we get sick of that when we see it on the other side. But I think sometimes I worry that Wink gets a little little too creative at times. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fair argument to make. I'm not sure if that, that even though that front four is going to generate a huge amount of pressure um, just because we haven't seen it out of them, frankly. Um, when the Ravens bring four that in, in, in like a non-disguised manner, um, generally, they have not done so well in the past couple of seasons. I think they really do need that um, measure of deception in order to kind of be consistently disruptive in, in terms of their pass rush. But there probably is a time and place for that. And I think the Ravens do have enough talent up front that they can start kind of maybe doing that a little more frequently than they have in the past. And one thing that we didn't see much in this game was kind of that that, that twist and stunt game up front. I, I don't think they use that very much at all. I think that's something that that you have the players to to do a little bit more of, um, and that's probably something we'll see um, over the course of the season increase. I think, especially if there is more of a tendency to rush for players that are just lined up, um, you know, along the defensive line, and and we'll see how this this progresses over the course of the the, the season. I think the Ravens are going to be playing from the from ahead a lot this season um, with, with this offense. And, you know, maybe we should start talking about the offense a little bit um, here. But I think that that's going to also influence the defensive play calling because when you're playing, you know, with a one-two score lead, I think you can afford to be a little more aggressive on defense, put the uh, opposing offense in, in bad positions and try to make them, you know, come up with, with the big plays that they're more likely to make mistakes on if you're trying to push the ball downfield or trying to do risky things. Yeah, absolutely. One, when you've got corners like, and we, you know, we, we can briefly just talk about Humphrey and Peters saying that they are fantastic. They played like an all pro pair of cornerbacks again. There were times that Cleveland decided to drop seven guys in pass protection and try and throw the ball and, and only run routes with Landry and Beckham and throw with them matched up one man to man against, uh, against Humphrey and Peters. And guess what? It didn't work. Um, Hopefully teams have a better approach than that next <laughs> for the rest of this year. Cause if that's going to be, I mean, hopefully they don't quite frankly, cause if that's going to be their approach, then the Ravens are going to, the Ravens defense is going to be just fine on this year, no matter whether they get any more pressure or not. <laughs> yeah. And one more note, I would say um, we did see the Jimmy Smith to safety happen. He played, I think almost all the snaps at, the, at safety and, you know, I didn't see anything bad out of it. So I'm going to assume that means he played pretty well back there. Um, we saw him lined up a little bit in the box, a little bit in like kind of deep middle. Um, and, and I think that's something we're definitely going to see. He was essentially the, the Ravens dime backer um, or dime uh, dime defensive back. And he played the role that Brandon Carr played last year. 
Um, and I think that he is probably a, a bigger, more athletic version of Brandon Carr. And, and if he takes on the role as, um, as we think he might, that's, that's going to fit him well. Yeah, the, when the all twenty-two take comes out, maybe we'll just we'll touch on this when we when we get to it on Thursday. Um, you know, we'll have a better idea what the coverage looked like. You know, obviously it seemed like it was really great, but Mayfield also just might not have been seeing it, and there might have been more open throws. Obviously, the ones he made were into coverage, so I'm guessing there weren't. Um, but that's something I'm going to be definitely looking for once we see the coaches film. They just didn't. It didn't seem like there were any plays that went to Jimmy Smith's area, so we don't have any good sense of of, of what we're going to get there yet. But I'm glad to see it too. Yep. Um, I think let's uh, start to shift to the other side of the ball now. Um, so I definitely took a long look at the Ravens offense and this was a really fun adventure for me. Um, I looked at a few different things. I looked at the different personnel that the Ravens used. Um, so they actually used a pretty even kind of disbursement of different player packages. So they used a lot of 11 personnel. That was the most, the most frequent uh, personnel um, that I looked at. Um, this was basically over the, for the first nine drives, I didn't, I didn't watch the last um, drive where the Ravens kind of just were, you know, way ahead and weren't really doing anything with RG3 out there. Um, but essentially they, they use 11 personnel, which is three of our receivers um, more than anything else. And then the second highest was um, 12 personnel. So two tight ends. Um, so the, I think these are the best two personnel groupings for the Ravens. And especially in this game, it proves to be that case. Um, you know, the Ravens, when they're in 11, they did a lot of really interesting things. They used Dobbins probably most frequently as the running back, and they flexed him out um, into, like, an empty backfield. So he was out the wide receiver, slot receiver a lot. And uh, the Ravens were just really good in, in this look. Um, you know, the tight end, uh, Mark Andrews, was extremely effective. Um, we saw Mar Marquise Brown have a, have a good game. Um, Willie Sneed had a good game. Um, you know, it was really just a, a – precision passing day for, for Lamar Jackson. He was making incredible throws all over the field. It was just a sight to behold. Um, There's maybe one or two passes that I think he would like to take back, but, you know, outside of that, it was just, it was a really impressive performance. Um, I think the, the Jackson to Andrews connection in particular is something we're going to be, you know, just raving about all season long. They just seem to be on the same page constantly. Um, they know where each other is going to be thinking about going with the ball on seemingly every single play. And Andrews looked like he had, uh, you know, something to prove um, after having a little bit of the dropsies last year. Um, he caught everything thrown his way. He had an incredible touchdown catch on the first drive. He just like, he was just phenomenal. Um, so that's kind of yeah. the big ways. <laughs> I mean, the passing game just ran a clinic. I mean, and, and this is what, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. This is what I was saying the Ravens offense was going to look like because what Cleveland did is come out and they pack, they did the same exact thing in week 16 of last year. They put eight guys in the box on almost every single snap. They decided that they were going to let Lamar run. They were going to like contain and scrape on the outside of every single play, regardless of whether the Ravens even looked like they were going to run to contain Jackson. And they did. They contained Jackson in terms of running the ball and Jackson just absolutely carved them up throwing the ball. Um, when the big question was, if that happens, are the Ravens going to have to kind of dink and dunk their way down the field a little bit more? Or is Jackson going to be able to get the ball down the field, get a YPA up over 10? Is he going to be able to keep his completion percentage up? And is he going to be able to keep that touchdown percentage up? And my my thought on this all year has been, I don't, th I think he's going to regress in the sense that his mean is going to be better than it was last year. And that's exactly what we saw from Lamar, at least in this Cleveland game. Now, their corners are not that good. We're going to see better defenses. You should be throwing like this against this Cleveland secondary. That being said, Lamar, they, they, Lamar could not have done any more than was asked of him in this game or that the opportunities presented himself for. And all the things that you were just talking about with his receivers and the strides forward that they took and the complexities and usages that, that can come along the way, it, it, this offense is going to be staggering again. I think they're going to score 550 points this year. I really do. I, I think that's definitely possible. Um, and like happened a lot last year, the Ravens kind of took their foot off the gas, you know, about probably midway through the third quarter. Um, something that should be mentioned as well is that Ronnie Stanley came out of the game with an ankle injury. I'm not sure exactly what his status is, um, but he, um, I think, impacted this game quite a bit because when Fluker came in, they didn't want to run the same things they did in terms of passing the ball that they did 
when Stanley was in there. Fuker just did not look very good as a pass protector, and I don't think the Ravens trusted him. Um, so that's something to monitor moving forward. If Stanley has to miss some time, hopefully that won't be the case. Um, the Ravens might have to adjust their game plan a little bit due to that fact. Um, Although, like, did you notice that the Ravens on the drive that Stanley got hurt, Fluker was actually in a guard. So Phillips missed like three or four snaps hmm. on the game. But I think, and I, I have to go back and double check this. So I don't know if you noticed it, but it looked like the Ravens had moved away from Phillips at some point too. So not just trickle down effect there and saying, hey, we've got two guys now on the line that might not be up to snuff too. Yeah, I, I noticed that Phillips definitely um, had a few issues at times. Um, he didn't really do much that stood out to me. I think he had a few issues in pass protection that weren't um, ideal. Um, that, that might be why that happened. But I, th I think in general, when the Ravens kind of were out there with this this three wide look, um, they were they're just really hard to defend. Like, I only think they had their best personnel grouping out there, um, which I think might be Duvernay in the slot as opposed to Willie Sneed, which is kind of hard to say because I think Sneed actually had a really good game. Um, he had that clearly had that nice uh, touchdown reception. That was a beautiful route and a beautiful catch, a beautiful throw from Lamar. It was kind of like the, the trifecta there. Um, he also had a couple of other nice catches. Um, so I, I don't necessarily say I want to take Sneed off the field, but I think if you have Duvernay out there, you add another speed element, um, which just makes it, the offense that much more dangerous. Um, a few things that I thought were interesting, like you said, um, Jackson was kind of bottled up in the in the running game. Um, this was something that happened not just to Jackson. Basically, the entire Ravens running attack was pretty limited in this game. Um, Jackson did have a few nice runs on scrambles, I think, but only really there was one design run where he picked up a chunk yard Junk yard kind of situation was about 10 yards he picked up. Uh, but most of the plays where it looked like a design run, he was kind of limited. Um, the rushing attack in general was was not that great. I don't know if the Ravens picked up any plays more than like 10 yards on the ground. Um, I think Dobbins looked like he had the most kind of juice to him. Um, Ingram just kind of looked slow. I saw him take a few bad steps. I thought he didn't hit the hole that he should have a few times. Um, so that's a little concerning. It might just be kind of a rust thing coming off of, you know, an off season where he wasn't getting many reps. Um, and maybe once it's back in there, um, maybe also against some defenses that aren't necessarily keying on the ground game quite as much. Uh, I think he could probably look a little better, but it's a little bit concerning to see Ingram not doing too much. Um, Edwards didn't really do a lot in the work that he had. He only had a few touches. Um, I was encouraged by Dobbins though. And I also, was especially encouraged that he was out there. They trust him in the passing game, um, split out wide as a receiver. Um, he ran a few wheel routes where he looked very competent. Um, and I think he would, he's just going to be a guy who gives the Ravens more flexibility on offense. I will um, I will admit, I, I did not think the Ravens were going to turn to Dobbins as quickly as they did. Obviously, I think, I think I, on some level, it was just them saying, hey, let's keep Ingram healthy. Dobbins needs to get reps. Let's get him out there. Um, and that's, you know, there were, he was definitely taking some of the reps there at the end of the game away from what I think will normally be Edwards. You know, I think later in the season, if Dobbins is being used fully, Edwards is going to be your guy in the fourth quarter when you're up big to pound the ball and, and pick up big chunks of yardage and keep the first, first downs churning. Um, but Dobbins looked really good. I mean, he looked quick. He looked agile. He looked all the parts of what you want. And, and in the red zone, he looked hungry. Like he, he was not looking to just do what the play call was. He was looking to get in the end zone, no matter what it was going to take. Um, and Mark Ingram did not look that way. He had, he had that one touch in the red zone. And I thought if he would have bounced it to the outside, it was going to be an easy touchdown. He went right into the hole into what seemed like seven Cleveland Brown defenders. Um, so, you know, if Dobbins can continue to keep that up and the Ravens can find ways to get him the ball in space and throw the ball around a little bit. There were, I'm sure you're going to talk about this. There was the one screen to Duvernay. If they can work in some screens to Dobbins and work in some screens to Brown. I mean, there's a whole dynamic that the Ravens have just at their fingertips to add to that offensive game plan. And I hope they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they will. Um, I think they're just scratching the surface in terms of what they can do offensively. Um, they have so much different, looks that they can provide with their personnel. You know, they, they, they did some 
22 personnel, some really heavy stuff. They did some 21 with, with, with Ricard as well. Um, and they can use Ricard in a few different ways. They moved him around a little bit. He had um, obviously the fumble, which was unfortunate, um, but he also then kind of picked up a really nice first down for the Ravens when they were backed up against the end zone. It was a nice little play where he came out of the backfield and caught the pass, ran through, ran through a tackle and picked up a first down. And that kind of gave the Ravens some breathing room to complete that 99 yard drive. Um, but that drive in particular was something that I thought was really impressive. I just wanted to highlight that because, you know, anytime you get that kind of a, a drive, it's pretty rare. Um, but they were just able to pick up chunk yards and it was really impressive. They, they did a lot um, out of the 12 personnel and they also did some um, 11 personnel too, but basically they had wide open receivers. Um, Hollywood just got open a couple of times. He looked like he was, you know, basically always open. Like he seemed like he could come be available on like that, you know, 12 yard out pretty much any time that the Ravens wanted, which is nice. Um, obviously, you know, he had that one long catch in the game as well. That was in a, that was in a different drive. That was a previous one, but that was um, him running out of the slot and he looked, so fast he was just like his his first like steps out exploding out of the slot were just incredible like you don't see many players who can get down the field like that um but you know it was just really a lamar clinic um at this point in the game because the ravens offensive line I, you know I, I think they played pretty well but on the plays where he felt a little bit of pressure he was able to do um a really impressive thing very um and he did it very many, a few times where he was able to break the, break the pocket and just see guys downfield coming open and hit them with these laser passes that are pinpoint accurate. And it just kept the Browns on their heels. If they got the pressure and they were not able to corral him, he was getting out of the pocket and making these throws. Um, and they really didn't have any answer for it because their, you know, their secondary wasn't able to keep the, the receivers from, from getting open um, when Lamar was extending the plays and, it's hard to really envision how many teams are going to combat that, especially when the Ravens spread out the, the defense in the, with this 11 and 12 personnel, um, because they're just going to have too many receiving options on the field. And Lamar is able to use his athleticism, use his speed to, to just, um, you know, avoid any pressure. And then he has basically the whole field at his, yes, he can scramble if he wants to, he could probably pick up 10, 15 yards at a time if he really wanted to. But he decided to throw the ball instead, and he was able to pick up more yards by throwing the ball. And I think that's the evolution of Lamar Jackson is he's using his arm now. He's keeping his eyes downfield. He's seeing plays develop, and he can basically, you know, put the ball on a rope to anybody he wants to. He's kind of looking like Aaron Rodgers out there. You know, I would make the slight argument that this is not a big step forward for Lamar so far. That, you know, obviously there were a few throws that he could have been better on last year but his arm as a whole was a little underrated by the world going into last year. His touchdown percentage was better than Mahomes last year. His completions percentage better than Mahomes last year, obviously in a, a less designed passing offense without Andy Reid calling his plays. Um, I, I think that there's a little underration of Lamar last year that was already going on to begin with. That being said, I do think we're seeing the evolution. You want to talk about the throw that he can't make? How about outside the numbers, deep out, across his body to the left side. Oh, we saw that this week when the, the Willie Sneed touchdown on a throw that was between two defenders, no less. So we're not talking about over the top, you know, to the corner, aired it out, beat his guy. You're talking about dropping it into a bucket 30 yards down the field in terms of how far he threw that ball right, right into the spot it needed to be and right in a spot where Sneed could catch it. Um, uh, so I think we're going to see more from Jackson. I think the question about, you know, is interesting of how, who is going to be able to stop this. And I think this is the difference between Mahomes and Jackson. And this is what I think potentially could make Jackson better during his running prime. Teams cannot throw these blitz packages at Lamar like they can at other quarterbacks because he will break the pocket and he will find that spot and he will burn you running the ball. Now, Mahomes can throw behind those spots, and, and yeah, like Tyreek Hill and Kelsey can run with the ball in their hands, and they can do some really crazy stuff because they've got some really fast guys. Um, but you can keep those plays in front of you even if you call them that right way. Lamar is going to let you think you're going to keep it in front of you. He's going to break contain. He's going to break down those guys, and he's going to do what he did to Cincinnati last year and run at 80 yards for a touchdown. Um, and so I think teams don't, and you, you didn't see Cleveland do this, even though they knew that Baltimore at one point was committed to throwing the ball and they had all these guys up at the line, all these guys in the box, 
You don't see crazy blitzes coming from crazy places. You don't see overloads from one side. You see two guys on the outside that still have to keep contained. And even on that one play, I don't know if you remember this, they were keeping contained and Lamar dropped, he must have dropped 18 yards behind the line of scrimmage to beat contain, gets around the outside and then makes a throw. Um, you know, so I think that's the thing that's going to be the differentiate Lamar. And it's not that he does anything special throwing the ball. Obviously Mahomes' arm talent is exceptional and he can throw off his back foot better than anybody. He's going to be able to put the ball on a spot with speed, even when you wouldn't expect it. And that's obviously a great asset, but I think that Lamar makes you makes it much harder to scheme for a defense overall. Um, and you've got to decide what you want to do with the guys in front of you. You've got to decide what you want to do with a run game. And then you got to decide what you want to do with the pass game. And then what you're going to do if Lamar breaks contain. And that fourth level is the thing that I think is going to take the reason why I think this Ravens team is going to score more points this year than they did last year. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Um, I mean, they scored a lot last year, so it's, it's well, they're on pace for 600 right now. Yeah, I mean, they're on pace. So, We'll see. We'll see if there's if there's any team out there that can figure out a way. Um, I'll, I'll be interesting to see what that team does. Um, but you know, I mean, there's going to be some variance week to week. The Ravens aren't going to always score thirty points a game. But it's just it's just so hard to like really figure out like how to completely stop them, especially when they're in the personnel that they were in with that with eleven or twelve personnel, and you're and you're flexing out, you know, your tight ends. So you basically are in eleven personnel. Um, it, how how can you really account for all those weapons, and how can you account for Lamar? It's just not possible, um, unless you have like a defensive line that's consistently beating you know the offensive line at the point of attack and getting you know pressure up the middle and like pressure off the yeah, edge. It's just it's just I don't know. I just don't see it happening. Um, I think that if the the Worst thing that happens is the Ravens' rush yards, you know, de- diminishes this year, and, and Lamar passes for four thousand plus and puts up forty touchdowns. Um, I think that's not a bad thing, um, and I think that might actually be the case. I, I don't, I don't expect the Ravens to rush the ball like they did last year, um, and I'm not saying that they won't be able to, but I think it just makes sense with the personnel that they have, um, especially kind of with you know the loss of Marshall Yonda, who is one of the best run blockers that you have in the NFL or for, for the, over the past decade. I don't think you have that anymore at, at your guards. You don't have the quite the interior push that you had last year. I think they're going to need to, you know, lean more on on Lamar Jackson and lean on his arm. And I think he's going to be the guy who is going to consistently um, just have to make plays. And I think it's going to be more with his with his leg or with his arm than it was with his legs, like as opposed to what we saw last year. And, and like you said, he did make a ton of plays with his arm. He passed for thirty six touchdowns, um, but he only passed about 400 times over the course of the season. I think we might see it closer to 500 times this year. And I think he's just going to be incredibly efficient still. And it's going to be, you know, really impressive to see. I, th- I don't I don't think we've seen many players who can do this kind of thing that he does. Yeah. And he's on pace for 400 passes right now, too. <laughs> and we and we saw a different offense. But, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see. I'm interested to see what team decides they want to, to let the Ravens run the ball instead of start to pass the ball. I think. Until that happens, the Ravens are just going to rack up points on some of these other teams. Um, and we'll get into the matchups of who they have coming up. And I think some of those are interesting. I think I think there's going to be an opportunity to steamroll the Texans. The one thing I'd say is the, the place where I see the Ravens have an ability to really improve this year, though, is special teams. The special teams last year were pretty mediocre overall. Um, and we saw some really good special teams play this week, actually. Um Jordan Richards did not get credit for it, but he called that fake punt. I don't know if you saw it, but before it happened, he called it out. He moved Fort to the outside of that formation, and he put him in a position to make that stop. It doesn't happen if Richards doesn't make that call, and it doesn't happen if he's on if he's not you know not on the field. Um, so I'm interested to see if the Ravens end up moving him up from the practice squad to start with. Duvernay looked great on kick returns. Um, that was the best that I've seen a Ravens kick return game in some time. I mean, Justice Hill had a couple that he broke loose last year, but consistently didn't look good. Duvernay looked like at any given moment, he might be able to take one, cut one loose. And then Prochet, to his fault, was terrible on the first kick. Got to catch that. Hopefully he'll learn his lesson, right? Like you've just got to trust yourself to catch that ball at the 10 yard line and not let it bounce and, and roll like that. But Outside of that, I thought he looked pretty dynamic on punt returns too. He looked like a guy that could slice up, slice somebody up if they could do it. Justin Tucker looked great. I mean, we've, we're seeing missed kicks all over the NFL this year. 
um, which I think is is really interesting because I would have thought that fans in the stand and noise and all that kind of stuff would affect kickers more. But it seems like they're getting in their own heads. Goskowski just got a kick blocked in the, the Denver game, two misses in the Cleveland game. I mean, they are Cleveland already cut their kicker. I think I, I can remember at least three or four other field goal misses or extra point misses this week. The, the Atlanta kicker missed an extra point in a dome. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me that the kickers are missing more, but I think it's the place where the Ravens could look even better on paper this year um, in terms of improving field position to score more points or in terms of putting their defense in a better position to pin guys back and take advantage of it too. Yeah. Obviously Justin Tucker is, is one of the best weapons in the NFL and the Ravens don't even have to, didn't really have to use him this, this last Sunday. Um, but I think I thought one thing that they did wisely was just kick the ball out of the end zone especially if you have some questions about your, your kick coverage unit as the season starts, you're not entirely sure how many reps you've given them. Um, just kick the ball out of the end zone and, you know, take that, let your defense, you know, kick the ball to 25 and, and, and go from there. Um, the extra five or whatever yards of field position isn't, isn't really worth it. I don't think. Um, and like you said, Duvernay looked fantastic. He looks, he looked just, like he could break, like you said, any any kick return if he just gets a seam. He's he's explosive. He has an ability to make that quick cut and kind of just go from it. Um, I'm I'm excited to see him in the offense. I know we saw him with that one little bubble screen that they gave him, and and he looked really good in that position. I think if you get the ball in his hands a little bit more, that's just another option that the Ravens are going to have um, on offense. And you know, over, overall, I just think that there's going to be so many things that the Ravens can do. Uh, offensively, you know, they will, I think, run the ball still a lot. They ran the ball a lot this past game. Um, it just wasn't as effective. I don't think a lot of teams have the same kind of defensive line that the Browns have. So maybe that's your your kind of difference um, when you're playing a team like the the Texans. They don't have quite the same guys up front that that the Browns do. Maybe, you know, the, the run game is a little bit more dominant. And, and we'll have to wait and see how the Ravens do that. But if and, and one thing we didn't see too much of was, was running out of 11 personnel. They did it mostly passing out of 11. So that's something I think that could be an option as well. Um, and, and Lamar could have a, a big kind of role in that too. If, if you know you have defense completely spread out and you have Lamar Jackson, you can easily just you know cut up a defense when, when he gets to the lane. So there's a lot of things that the Ravens could do. Um, they didn't put too much on the on film. I don't think that was abnormal in, in week one, and I think um, they're just going to continue to build on what they did, and it's it's likely going to be you know another incredibly fun season. So before we wrap up here, any interesting roster moves changes that you think we're going to see before the start of the next game? Um, you know, one of th- I like what you mentioned about Jordan Richards. Um, I think he's definitely a very good special teamer. Um, Maybe I could definitely potentially see one of Ford or Laka being uh, released, let go, put on this practice squad um, and, and bringing up Richards because the Ravens also don't have a lot of depth at safety right now. So, and Richards could, could fill that role in a pinch too. Um, that's probably the only thing I could think of um, on, on the offense. I think they're pretty much set with what they have. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Justice Hill progresses if he gets into the game plan, if he's healthy. Um, I think there could be room for him and kind of these minus 11 personnel looks that they're using Dobbins. I think um, Hill could have a role. You could even maybe see some packages where you have Hill and Dobbins on the field together. It'd be some interesting things you could do with that. Um, Yeah, the Ravens, yeah, they they also need a tackle. They need another tackle on the roster, I think. And whether that's a veteran that they go out and add or whether that's Holden being protected on the practice squad and then activated – um, even if Stanley's fully healthy for the game, I, I want to see another tackle on the roster. I was not all that impressed with Fluker. I think the Ravens might be better off with keeping him at guard and letting Phillips continue to develop and, and putting someone else in there. I, I don't know what the answer is, but maybe a spot there too. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree after what we saw with Fluker. Um, he is not going to be the answer for the Ravens. Uh, yeah, not a left tackle for sure. I mean, and, and at a minimum, at least move or Brown over there to let him see if he can handle those reps or something. But but Fluker definitely definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know who's still out there. I don't know if Cordy Glenn got signed. He's probably the he was probably the best person available um, as we got towards the end of the of the off season. I'm not sure if Philadelphia ended up signing him or not. I know he went there for a visit. Um, he's someone I would be looking at. 
Um, I'm not really sure who else would be available, but it's definitely probably the biggest concern because the, the offense definitely was more limited when they didn't have Stanley in there. You just, you just had to kind of protect Lamar on, on that side a little bit more. You had to probably keep a tight end. In, and that's something that we might see um, shift the game plan if Stanley has to miss some time and Fluker is the guy. Um, I think you have to have, you know, he's a, he's a better run blocker than he's a pass blocker. I, I think that might be where the Ravens would try to go with things, just keep more heavier personnel, um, protect, you know, the left tackle and and run and pass pass sets and you know hope that Stanley gets healthy. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back on Thursday night, folks. We want to preview the Houston game. We've already got some film of Houston and Kansas City kind of on tape, so we're, we have a good idea of what we might be seeing from them. Um, otherwise, you guys can catch us at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. We're on the forum there. You can catch Gabe and me, I on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at PSL Jordan Co. Thanks for listening in, and we'll talk to you guys soon.